Hey, everybody. I hope that this weather doesn't ruin the joy that you have on this Memorial Day weekend. Just think back where we were a year ago and what the situation was with regard to the pandemic and where we are today with the declining numbers of the spread and hospitalizations and, uh, and death. Um, it's dramatic, and uh, so even though the weather's not great, it is a great Memorial Day weekend, and I'm glad you're with us, glad you're here in the room, welcome, I'm glad you're here online, and welcome to you. I want to share something <clears throat> that will probably not surprise anybody. I love the local church. I love the local church. Now, it hasn't always been that way for me. Uh, there was a time in my life, years of my life, where my image of the local church was it was just a bunch of old people <laughs> uh, who loved bad music, boring lectures, uncomfortable clothes, and were all about themselves. So what changed? What changed? Two things. I changed. So I matured, of course, and I began to recognize that uh, the local church was not those things, that it really was multi-generational, that those hymns had rich meaning in them. I began to listen and understand the message that the pastor was bringing better and began to see that those folks uh, were serving others. So I changed. But also, I believe that there has been a shift in the local church over the last 40 years. That over the last 40 years, that local churches have become much more intentional of trying to reach younger generations. That they've recognized that good music didn't end in the 1800s. That there's still good music being written and we can bring that into worship. That we became a lot less concerned about the clothes that people wore and much more interested in how they were learning to follow Christ. And that we became much more intentional about the ways that we were reaching out to folks beyond us and beyond uh, our local setting. But most of all, the thing that I have learned to love about the local church is that a high-functioning, Jesus-centric church can transform a human heart. And as human hearts are transformed, communities are transformed, and that church can have an impact on the lives of people far beyond them. So as Pastor Rick mentioned in his opening this morning, we're starting a new series today that we're calling Activated. It's a study of the book of Acts, but it's also an opportunity for us to unpack this new way that we're describing Hope Church. Up until a year ago, we were describing Hope Church as one church with two locations. Here's the way we're describing Hope Church today, that we are one church Two expressions, growing influence. One church, two expressions, and growing influence. And this description, even though it's new, and even though the methodologies are new, 
the heart and the passion and the vision have been a part of this congregation for over 30 years to influence people for the kingdom of God. And so we start this five-week series on the book of Acts where we're going to see kind of this, what was going on then and how it applies to us in our situation today. So for those of you who may not know, the book of Acts uh, is the story of what happened to Christ's followers after his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. It's the birth of the church. Acts was written by a physician by the name of Luke, the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And what I'm going to do this morning in the time that we have is I'm going to be looking at just a high-level look at the first two chapters of the book of Acts. So, as the book opens, as Acts opens, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is meeting with his disciples over a period of 40 days. And in that time, Jesus is reminding them of all that he taught, all that he did, all that he instructed them, and he's giving them kind of their marching orders of what they're supposed to be doing going forward what their mission is to be. And so I want to look at that, Jesus' mission to them. It's in Acts chapter 1, it's verse 8, and it's the second half of verse 8 that I want to look at with you. Jesus said, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said to his disciples gathered there, you guys are going to be my witnesses. So what's a witness, right? What's a witness? A witness is somebody who shares what they have seen and heard, what they've experienced, and what they know. So Jesus was telling them and tells the church down through millennia, including us today, that our mission is to tell people what we have seen and heard, what we've experienced, and what we know about Jesus. Right? So what do we know about Jesus? The things that we know about Jesus, we know because of the Gospels. And so the reason we spend time looking at Scripture and looking at the Gospels is so that we will know who Jesus is, what Jesus taught, the things that he did and said, the things that he was about, his priorities, that we want to know these things about Jesus so that we can share them with others. What do you know about Jesus? And so that's why we spend time in the Gospels. By the way, quick commercial. Um, Marilyn and I have just discovered a new show. It's, it's really been out for over a year now. Some of, some of you probably already know it. It's called The Chosen. Yes. All right. Here in the room, they know. Do you guys know? Yeah, it's, it's 
pretty, it's pretty fantastic. And uh, so I won't go on and on about it, um, but if you haven't discovered it yet, the enthusiasm here will give you an idea that, that it's worth taking a look at. So beyond knowledge of Jesus, beyond the information that we have, a witness shares their experience with Jesus. And we have experiences with Jesus as we are in the process of spiritual formation. So we don't just have information, we have formation as we are growing in our uh, relationship with Jesus. And so as we spend time in prayer, as we spend quiet times with Jesus, as we spend time in groups, you begin to have experiences spiritual, faith-filled experiences that you can share with other people as you grow. To be a witness is not to become some kind of weird salesperson selling religion to other people. Sometimes we treat people, we think of our witness as, well, I've got to go out and I've got to sell this to people and I've got to convince them and so on and so forth. But really, a witness is just sharing your story what you've seen and heard and what you know and experienced. My early experience, personal experience with this began in my early and mid-20s as my faith was really beginning to grow and I was being more intentional in uh, growing in my faith and I was beginning to have these experiences and I started sharing them. There was a guy in particular, it was a guy I was working with and got to know him at work and we formed a friendship beyond work and in the course of our conversations, I began talking about things that I was learning and experiencing in this growing relationship I was having with Jesus. And I could tell in the beginning that he was really uncomfortable. And so I was really careful to, you know, not come on too strong and so forth, but you know, in a friendship, you share the stuff that matters to you. If it's a meaningful friendship, what's important to you and so forth. And uh, so it would just come up. And over time, he got a little more comfortable with that and realized, all right, this is Jeff's thing. And so uh, he began to ask some questions about my experiences and so forth and share some of his own insights and some of his own pushback and so forth. And that went on for about a year. And then at one point, he accepted Jesus for himself. And I was stunned. Like, really? Like, oh, really? Are you sure? Like, I was going to talk him out of it now. <laughs> and all it was was just me sharing my experience with him. The other thing that Jesus said is, that this mission of being a witness is not limited by geography. It's not limited by geography. Jesus said, start where you are. You're in Jerusalem right now. Start there. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But it doesn't end there. Judea, this wider region. Samaria, people not like you that you don't like. And then to the whole world. Voorhees, and then to a broader region, and then to people who aren't like us, who we may not like, 
and really to the whole world. And I would imagine as they're sitting there and Jesus is telling them that, that they're going, gulp, <laughs> like, sort of like we are now. Like, wow, Jesus, I mean, we're so small. How are we going to do that? I have no idea where to be even, you know, get started with that. This seems like an overwhelming call. And that takes us to the next part of what Jesus told his disciples about what their job was to be. And there's the problem with an iPad. The word context. Wow, it's speaking. Shh, shh. Why are you talking? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it just decided to talk. I'll talk. You just be, there it is. All right. Technology, it's great. We'll talk more about that. All right, so anyway, uh, so we're back to Acts 1, verse 8. I read the second half. Let's go to the first half. Jesus said this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus said you can't do this. This isn't up to you. That the only way this is going to work is when you receive power through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is literally the life force of God coming into the life of those who believe. And in a significant way, together, as we together are the church, that the Holy Spirit is in us and working through us. The New Testament refers to the Holy Spirit in a number of different ways, calls the Holy Spirit a comforter, a counselor, a guide, the power of God. And the Holy Spirit is always at work, moving us, pointing us towards God's will and God's way in your life. And there are many times that the Holy Spirit is at work and we don't even recognize it, right? The Spirit is at work and we don't recognize it until maybe we're in the midst of something and then we see it. Or even more often, I think, after something has happened and we're reflecting on it and so forth and we see the hand of God at work in that moment. I think as a church, we are living this out right now. The mission of the church is still to be a witness, right? To be an influence on people for the kingdom of Christ. And what we said about three years ago was that we were one church with two locations, right? Voorhees and Mount Laurel. And we believed that we were being called to be a church that was going to be five campuses in the next 10 years. And that seemed like a huge, huge kind of calling, right? Then the pandemic hits. And we are one church with no locations, right? There's nobody in any building. 
And I don't know about you, but I have never been in church. I have certainly never pastored a church that nobody comes to. And so we were in a time where we had to figure out how to be online. And what we were saying to each other in that time was, okay, God is still in this. God is still moving. The Holy Spirit still has a plan. And so what did we do? We began to discover that we could reach people online. That even if we couldn't physically be together, that through the technologies that were available, that we could reach people online. And we could reach a much wider region of people. That people who would not necessarily drive to Voorhees because it was too far away were suddenly tuning in. That may be you right now. You may be online right now in a community that's far enough from Voorhees that you probably wouldn't drive here on a Sunday, but you've been tuning in online. We began to discover that we had people tuning in on a regular basis from 12 different states, 14 different states, regularly tuning in. People who could never be with us physically who were now becoming a part of this community of faith. And weirdly enough, even people in other countries, right? I think four or five different countries, yeah. I know it's weird, but it's a cool thing. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The physical connection is still important. Our being here in this place physically is still an important thing. But online creates whole new opportunities that the Holy Spirit is showing us. And so we have this new vision statement. One church, two expressions, physical and digital, for a growing influence for Christ. All right, quickly now, on to uh, Acts chapter 2. So in Acts chapter 2, Jesus said, all right, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. So this gathering of Christ followers, about 120, are meeting together and they're, you know, doing life together and they're praying together and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, whatever that means, they don't know, but they're just trusting that Jesus has this in hand, and so they're waiting, and all of a sudden, one day, as they're meeting together in prayer, the, the windows fly open, the doors fly open, a wind blows in, something like tongues of fire spread throughout the group, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And what do they do? They run out of that room, out into the streets, and bear witness to Christ, sharing what they know, what they've heard, what they've experienced about Jesus. And Acts 2 tells us that on that day, 3,000 people came to faith. We have a word or a phrase for something like that here at Hope. We call that catastrophic success, right? What do you do when you have success beyond what you ever imagined? What do you do with 3,000 people when there's 120 of you? You make disciples, right? 
you make disciples, you engage them in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So at the end of Acts chapter 2, 42 to the end of the chapter, it describes the things that they did to help these new converts to Jesus become followers, disciples. So it says that they taught them what Jesus said and what he did. They dedicated themselves to prayer. They dedicated themselves to each other, to the fellowship, both in formal ways and in informal ways, in their homes, over meals, and so forth, that they practiced generosity with the things that they had. They had to figure out in real time, as this was going on, how do you make these people into disciples, this crowd of people, and more are being added every day, it said. They just keep coming. They had to figure it out in real time. And so do we. So do we right now. How do we disciple and equip an online community of faith? What's that look like in 2021 because there's a lot more people right now in this service on their devices wherever they are than there are in this room and that may be the case going forward we're going to get more and more people in the room as people get comfortable and and uh, you know overcome the concerns of the uh, of the pandemic but we're gonna continue with online, so how do you do that? So one of the things we discovered, um, Pastor Heather, a few months ago, introduced what she was calling microgroups, small groups, but tiny groups, really, no more than two or three. And so we began sharing about that, and we had a woman down in Florida who contacted us and said, can I be in a microgroup? So a woman in Florida became a microgroup member with a woman in New Jersey, and they've met every week for several months now on Zoom studying the book of Mark. That's an example of how geography no longer hinders us from being witnesses and making disciples. I love the local church because of its witness for Jesus Christ and the impact it has to transform a human life and impact communities. I want you to know, if you don't already feel it, that this is one of the most exciting times to be a part of the community of faith called the church. That this is a time of new expressions of how we can reach people, influence people for Christ, help them grow as disciples and become impactful in their families, in their homes, in their schools, in their communities. And you and I get to be a part of it. So I want to encourage you today to not sit this one out whether you are 
coming physically here or digitally online, that you can be a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church today. Let's pray together. Lord, these truly are exciting days that you have worked through a pandemic through your church to bless people in ways that we never imagined possible. And so, Lord, we, like those early disciples, know that we can't do this in our own power. And so we look to your Holy Spirit to be our guide, to be our strength, to give us wisdom and vision to follow your will and your way, step by step. And so, Lord, we ask for your blessing and we ask for your direction. And I pray that every man and every woman who's a part of this community of faith, will step up and step in to find their way to be a part of this exciting thing that you're doing, knowing that you're going to bless. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all God's people agreed and said, amen. amen. Hey, take a look at this closing video. So before you go, let me share with you a few ways to connect here at Hope. Next Sunday is parking lot worship. It's June 6th at 6 p.m. This is an in-person event at 700 Cooper Road, and it is a BYOC, bring your own chair event. What a great way to kick off the summer season. And the following Saturday, June 12th at 1045 AM is the family tie-dye event. And you can register at meethope.org forward slash tie-dye for this fun family event. Oh, and the Kona ice truck will be there too. Well, thank you for worshiping today. And we hope you have a fantastic week.